This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. Before she was writing for financial institutions and before she owned her own media entity, Shondell Varciana made a name for herself by paying off mortgages. Today, Shondell serves as the CEO and founder of Varsi Media, a content management agency that provides hassle-free professional blog content to financial institutions. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Shondell breaks down the game of content creation, and she talks the tricks of the trade, including the importance of social groups, the critical need to understand your audience, and why some content resonates and others never will. Enjoy this episode. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we are joined by special guest, Shondell, what's going on? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to be talking about content. You're a content writing expert, and we're going to get deep into that and your background. So let's get into it. How did you get started in marketing in the first place? So I, uh, my career was mainly in marketing. I have a, a degree and a few diplomas in marketing. So my path kind of started there from school. And then uh, right out of high school, I started working for uh, a company called Bank of Montreal. One of the, oh, it, actually, it is the oldest bank in Canada. I'm originally from Toronto, Canada. And I uh, stayed there for eight years, then moved to a company called Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation. That is the exact same thing as PMI here in the U.S., just in Canada. It's owned by the Canadian federal government. And then um, while I was there, I started uh, my writing company. And uh, once um, that grew, then I I eventually left CMHC and uh, brought the company here to Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, that's how it all started. And here we are today. Flash forward to today. Tell me a little bit about the company and what you're working on. So we write uh, blog posts and newsletters for financial institutions, credit unions, mortgage companies, and banks. And uh, so that, that's our specialty. We've got a team of writers, editors, social media experts. Uh, we've got an IT department. And uh, that's what we do uh, every day, all day is, is write. Yeah. And so why, uh, why the focus on financial institutions? So what I found was when I started uh, blogging, I started blogging myself. And uh, this was while I was still working uh, at CMHC. And the reason why I started blogging was because I paid off a couple mortgages in somewhere around seven years. And uh, a girlfriend of mine had suggested that I, I help other people do the same thing and give them advice. And she suggested that I start blogging. So that's how the, the company started. I was blogging myself and then some big media outlets started contacting me. And then I started doing some work there. And it just led to... Um, you know, people contacting me and wanting me to write for them. And then, you know, I couldn't handle all of it. So I hired some writers. But what I found was that uh, when I was blogging myself and I was uh, part of the whole personal finance community, I found that a lot of people had many, many questions around. So there were a lot of people that didn't even know what a mortgage term was. And then there were a lot of people that didn't know what an amortization was. And I, I thought to myself, you know, they're coming to me for advice but they were coming to me for advice because I was blogging about my experience, not because I worked in, you know, in the industry. And I knew there was a disconnect because when I was working in the industry, there was so many, uh, there's so much knowledge and information, 
you know, inside of a bank or inside of a financial institution that doesn't make its way out to the public. So what happens is a lot of people who are looking to get a mortgage are going to, you know, bloggers or are are reading things online and they're not getting it from the actual experts. So that disconnect was part of the reason why I created Marcy Media to help financial institutions get information out there to their ideal customer, because oftentimes their ideal customer is not coming to them for information. They're getting their information from whoever's putting it out there online. So that, that I was trying to bridge that gap. Um, and that's, that's how the company was born. That's where the passion came from, because I've been on both sides of the fence. So that was, that's what I saw being um, on the inside. That's what I saw when I, when I started blogging myself. And I just wanted to bridge that gap. Yeah, I mean, I think so often right now we have kind of like the race to the bottom for content with people, you know, either doing it in-house and just trying to like crank out a bunch of stuff that's low quality or outsourcing it somewhere and and just, you know, paying whatever, you know, 10, five bucks an article for stuff that's just not very good. I'm curious, like, how do you help your clients see that it's quality over quantity is the most important thing? I actually think it's both. I don't think it's necess- I don't think you have to choose between quality and quantity. I think you can have quantity and have quality. It's just, of course, if you've got the manpower to do that, because naturally, you know, one person can only push out so much good quality content per day because it's one person and, you know, people get burnt out and things like that. Um, so I'm a big believer in consistency, but so which, which typically is quantity, because if you're, if you're constantly putting information out there, then you've got to put a lot. But I also believe in quality as well. I don't think you should just put out anything. But um, what's most important is the type of content that's being put out. I think content should solve a problem. It should answer a question. It should provide solutions. Um, And that's uh, where it should start. So I think it's important to be a part of the conversation that's already happening. Like nobody wakes up and says, I'm going to buy a house today. They've thought about that. They checked out different neighborhoods. They talked to friends and family. They did research online. Um, so you want to be a part of that conversation then. Uh, and that's how you'll be able to create great content for your, your, your customer because you're a part of that conversation that they're already having. So you'll know what they want to hear. You'll know what they want to know because you are part of that conversation. So you can now provide answers to the questions that they have because you're a part of that conversation that they're already having. Yeah, I'm curious, like, how do you dive into some of those customer insights? How do you find you know, those topics that folks are are looking for or searching for? Facebook groups are a great way to find that. Like if your target market is homebuyers, there are so many homebuyer Facebook groups that you can tap into and provide value. So I'll give you an example. Let's say a bank has a social media department and, um, you know, they have somebody that focuses on their social media. Most financial institutions have some type of marketing department. I would task somebody to um, get into these Facebook groups and build relationships with people in those Facebook groups and Facebook groups that have your ideal customer in it. So if you're focusing on home buyers, then, you know, search for Facebook groups that have home buyers in them. Just go into Facebook and put home buyer Facebook groups and you'll, you'll see uh, some groups come up, request to be a part of that group. And then when people ask questions in those groups, you answer those questions, you provide value. Over time, if you're consistently going into these groups that have your ideal customer, you'll start to see patterns. You'll, you'll start to see people asking similar questions and you'll be a part of where people are, what people are thinking about, what they want. And now you have some insight into what your ideal customer wants. So Facebook groups is, an, is a way and forums 
are also a great way to find out what your your ideal customer is talking about. Yeah, that's a great insight. I mean, I think it's one of the the common uh, you know things about writing is if you've hit writer's block, it means you need to read more, right? It's like if you don't know what to write about, then you should you know be asking more questions or finding finding folks like that. And so, is your team kind of just constantly on the prowl looking for those things? Uh, looking for you know what people are talking about? Yeah. Actually, no, I, I recommend that the, the, the financial institutions do that, not us. And the reason why I, I recommend that is because they're the experts and are able to answer those questions better than, you know, my team, for example, because they're uh, bank experts. They work in the bank. They'll be able to answer questions relating to interest rates, credit scores, um, affordability, things like that. Those are, those are common questions that people who are buying a house want to know. What, what is my minimum you know, beacon score need to be? How much can I afford to buy a home for? Uh, you know, what are some good areas? Things like that. So people have those types of questions and who better to answer those questions than people that work inside of, uh, you know, a financial institution. Um, but to your point earlier, I would also say that anytime, you know, you're stumped when it comes to uh, finding topics to write about, um, the only reason why you would be stumped is because you're not part of the conversation that's already happening. Because once you're part of the conversation, the topics will come because you are paying attention to what they're, you, you know what they're talking about because you're part of that conversation. You're in there, you're in the groups, you're on the forums, you're seeing what people are asking, you're seeing what people are talking about. That in and of itself is some huge insight into what your target market wants. So now, you know, you'll, you'll get the topics just from being a part of the conversation. And in being a part of that conversation, you're also getting to know people on a different level. Friends have come out of this type of stuff. And it's kind of like if, you, if you're friends with somebody and um, you'll, you know what your friend wants just because you've built a relationship with them. So the purpose of why I say start with um, you know, the Facebook groups and the forums is to help to build relationships with your ideal customer because that's what it's all about. That's what it comes down to. And then you're able to serve them you know, on a higher level because you're, you're able to find out what they want and then look and say, okay, what do I have that I could offer them that's going to help them uh, based on what it is they want to get into a house. How could I help them get into a house faster? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, do you ever find that those teams kind of push back on that of like, hey, you know, we don't have enough folks on our marketing team or hey, our, our team isn't kind of like structured that way or something? Because I'd imagine that a lot of people are, you know, that that have, you know, constrained teams or things like that will be worried about having their, their folks doing that type of research or engagement uh, on their marketing work? Um, well, it's kind of, it's not much different than engaging on your own social media posts. Like oftentimes there's, uh, there's social media managers that are, you know, tasked to take care of, you know, a, a bank's Facebook site or a bank's Twitter site. And um, the ones that are, are really engaged, some, somebody's answering those questions and in the messenger uh, so that same person could do that. And now th these are just some suggestions I have. I also work with financial institutions that already have this information. They already know what their target audience wants. So we don't need to go there. Um, this is more for financial institutions that are not familiar with exactly what their target audience wants. So this is where I would say, okay, step back and let's try this route. Um, but there are some that already know that. So then we can go right into the content. Let's start writing some content that's answering some of their questions. And, and that's addressing some of their, their problems. What would be, you know, as you're talking to like someone, a, a prospect or someone who's working with you, what are kind of the common things that they're facing? Is it just that they don't have the team to be able to write 
the type of quality content that they're looking for? Is it that they just want someone who can speak in that voice or speak in the customer's voice? Like what's some of the pain that they're, that they're going through? The number one problem I'm seeing is consistency, which usually comes from lack of staff. Uh, because there could be one person that is just tasked with too many different things. So they don't always have the time to write. Um, there's also situations where they've asked people inside to, you know, provide an article, but it's not consistent. So then the, they'll provide it whenever they have a chance because it takes time to research and write content. It does take time. And, you know, people are busy now, especially with the pandemic and people getting laid off and things like that. So, you know, I find that it's the consistency. That's what's most difficult is creating a schedule and saying, okay, we're going to publish X amount of content, um, you know, if it's one a week or twice a week, uh, but they're falling off because they don't have enough uh, manpower to push out the quality that's needed consistently. And then, so once you start working with someone, what's kind of like the first thing that, that you do that you sit down and say like, okay, this is what we can take off your plate. This is how we can uh, start to develop an effective content strategy. When we first start working with a, a client, we do a lot of work before we even get to writing. So we do a complete client audit, which, because uh, we need to learn everything we need about that FI. So we need to know their mission statement, their goals, their barriers to success. We need to know what, what they've already done. We need to see marketing materials. We need to see their, what their origin story is. So we get a lot of information because whether or not they are publishing content consistently or not, when we come in, we have to sound the same. We ha it has to be the same voice. So even though people know that you know, there's thousands of people working for you know, a bank or a mortgage company or credit union, you know, that doesn't matter. The voice needs to be the same. And it needs to be the same whether it's on the website, whether it's on social media. So us coming in, we need to you know, study that so that we make sure we get the tone, the format, and the style consistent to what they've already been putting out there. So we do a ton of research before we even get to uh, topics because we've got to learn about them first. So we start with that and then we get into uh, what they're currently publishing and where, where do they want to go? Do they want to continue on the path that they're on in terms of content? Do they want to change that path? If they want to change it, what does it look like? Um, are they wanting to go after a different target audience or they want to keep going after the one they're going after? So there's lots of questions that are asked um, to see you know, what, what they want to, the direction they want to take with their content. And then are there usually things that um, you find in that content audit that are, you know, common threads for a lot of marketing teams that, that folks struggle with? I would just say, yeah, the number one is definitely consistency and just not understanding that not being consistent kind of just, you know, it's that no like and trust factor. So if people don't see, and then, you know, that saying out of sight, out of mind. So if you're just publishing content, you know, whenever, then people will forget about you. They're not going to remember you. And you want to be consistent because you don't know when someone's going to raise their hand. You don't know when someone is in the market to buy a house or, or to buy a car or whatever the case is, whatever, whoever you're targeting. You don't know when they are ready and you want to be there when they are ready. And in order for you to be there when they are ready, you have to be consistent. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, it's funny. I mean, I think there's so much about content and creation that is about like your production schedule because it's so hard to do not on the you know the like reader schedule or the the consumer schedule you know what i mean so it's like so much of it is is about trying to figure out like 
well, how are we just going to create this stuff in the first in the first place? Not as much about like, you know, sharing things like how or, or why the people would want to consume it um, on the back end. I'm curious, do you find that as well? Uh, well, people will consume your content if you're solving a problem that they have. So that's why I go back to knowing your customer. Uh, without knowing your customer, it doesn't make sense to create any type of content because then you're just creating content that you may like versus content that they like. It's all about the customer. It's all about what they want, what questions they have, what issues they have, what problems they have, and how can you, as a financial institution, meet them at their need. Uh, So that's why I say be part of the conversation that they're already having. You don't need to create a conversation. You just need to know what they're talking about and be a part of that. And then look, step back and say, okay, I've got this, this, and this product that can probably help them. So now you're creating that bridge um, to, to help them, to help them walk over that bridge to get into that house. Um, you know, that's all they care about. They, how can I get into that house? They're not so concerned about interest rates, even though they may ask about that. The real thing is, how can, how can I get into that nice four-bedroom house that I've been eyeing? How, can you help me get into that? And, and that's what the focus needs to be. What are they talking about? How could I help them get to where they want to get? And then, then, then you start creating content around that. How can I get into a four-bedroom house? That sounds great. <laughs> I'm, re- I'm ready to read. That sounds awesome. Um, Come to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I lived in the South for a little while, so that I can confirm. I like the four bedroom. Though. That sounds that sounds nice. So you know, one of the things that um, I think you know everyone is trying to figure out is the idea of engagement. Um, how do you look at engagement for your content? What are the things? that you're the triggers that you're looking for, uh, beyond, you know, just the likes and page views. How long people are staying on your content, how long they're, that's, that's what will give you an idea of interest. How long are they staying on your page? And, uh, if you've got internal links, you know, in a blog post, are they clicking those links? Um, are they subscribing? Are they doing what you want them to do? So you can have call to actions and so forth within your content, but you know, are they staying on it for one? Are they clicking internal links? Are they subscribing? Are they filling out the contact form? So there's a lot of things you can look at to see if they're interested. Social media likes and comments are not always a reflection of somebody who is going to end up being a customer. So um, you've got to be careful with that as well. You know, 100 likes doesn't necessarily mean, you know, you're going to get those as customers. However, um, you know, it's still a good indication of if people like your content, but it doesn't always convert to customers especially with social media. But when it comes to content on your website, you can dig a little bit deeper in terms of if they like what they're seeing based on uh, the things that I just mentioned. So what advice would you give to a CMO or a marketing leader that is, you know, has a small team that's struggling to figure out, you know, their way through the, the content marketing strategy they can't necessarily outsource yet, or they're, they're starting to think about like why they maybe should outsource and they're starting to go through that process. Like, what would you recommend? How, how should they look at, you know, this kind of, I always think of it as like kind of the buyer build, right? Is like, do we outsource content or do we not? What would be, uh, what would be your advice there? I would say you definitely have to do what's best for, you know, your financial institution, what makes sense, you know, financially, what makes sense. Uh, so it, that that's a question you will have to answer internally in terms of what is best. But what I would say to start with, whether you have a big team or a small team, 
the, the main thing you, you need to know is what your customer wants. And if you don't have that information, the, the quickest and easiest way to do that is to join Facebook groups and join forums. Those are free um, and it gives you so much insight. I mean, some of these Facebook groups have, you know, six, seven, 8,000 people. Uh, and I'm talking about, you know, home buying Facebook groups or investor Facebook groups, or uh, th- this is your ideal customer. Like these are people who are looking to buy a house. They may not be looking today, but they may buy in three months or they may be buying, they may want to buy in six months, but that is your ideal customer. And I'm just using home buyers as an example, but whatever, whoever it is you're going after, there are Facebook groups if you want to knit. So, I mean, you can literally find Facebook groups on, you know, whoever it is you want to tar- uh, target and get people who are, and, and find out what people who are interested in, you know, whatever it is, you, you know, we're, like I said, we're focusing on the home buyer right now. Um, but there's so many, that's what I would suggest to start with Facebook groups or forums and be a part of that conversation and find out. Cause then, then you can, once you have insight into what your customer wants, then it makes it easier to look and say, okay, do we have the manpower to answer these questions to, um, you know, create valuable content that will help them. Um, so when you start there, it makes it easier because you're, you, you just have so much more insight into what it is they want. And then you can say, okay, well, we have a staff of two or three or however many, we can task you to do this. We can task you to do that. Well, you know what? We don't have enough people. Maybe we need to outsource. So it makes it easier to answer those questions once you know what your customer wants, because then you can step back and say, okay, do we have the capacity to give them what they want in terms of content? Switching gears towards making the jump to start your own company. I know that there's a lot of marketers who listen to this show who've who've either thought about it or done it. Um, you get to that moment in your career where you're like, you know, hey, I'm really good at this one thing. Maybe I should just start uh, an agency. What was that like for you? So I never intended to start my own company. I was actually, uh, the last job I had was, was CMHC, the, the company that's similar to PMI here. And uh, it was a great job. I mean, I got to work from home. They paid for my car. Like it, it was a fabulous job. Um, but what happened was I noticed I wasn't passionate anymore. It was, had nothing to do with the company or the people. They were fabulous people. It was, it was the best job. It was a dream job. But I found I wasn't passionate anymore and I wanted to move to Atlanta at the same time. So those two things were itching at me every single day. And then during that time, I was, um, like I said, I had paid off a couple mortgages and then I started blogging. So then it all started to come together because, you know, as, as that grew, I realized, you know, I could turn that into a business. Um, and that was when it was, and it wasn't until um, I was making more money in my business than CMHC was paying me that I even consider leaving. So once we got, once I got to that point, then I said, okay, you know, I've got something here, you know, let's see if I could. And then my husband, who he was my boyfriend at the time, he was, he's always been the, you know, the entrepreneur type, but I was, I've always been, you know, the employee type and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just what, you know, you prefer, but you know, him being that entrepreneur type was in my ear constantly saying, you know, you can do this, let's do this. Let's see what we can do here. And, you know, that just pushed me. And then eventually I just said, you know what, I'm going to, um, I'm going to quit. And, uh, and then uh, opportunity came for us to move to Atlanta. I said, let's just take the business to Atlanta. And that's how we got here. So that was my journey. Uh, but I would always say, I, I never suggest people just, you know, get up and quit their job. You, ha- you have to have a plan. And definitely I wouldn't quit until your business is making uh, the same or more than what you're currently being paid at your job. What were some of the things that were the hardest in making the transition? Believing in myself. That hands down was the 
you know, it's that, you know, good guy, bad guy on your shoulder. It was, belief is so important because you can have skills and not have belief and you won't go forward. You have to believe in yourself. And um, what helped me to, my husband was a huge, was instrumental in, in you know, me starting my business. If I didn't meet him, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have started. He, he really, um, I think if you have people in your life that can see something in you that you don't see in yourself, and then they can pull it out of you and mirror it to you until you start believing in yourself, you've got a diamond. Um, you know, that's why I married him. But if you can get people in your life that are supportive and encouraging, and importantly, if you can get people in their life that are living purpose-driven lives, so they're living a life of purpose, they're, they're doing what they know they're here to do, it makes it easier for you to try to find that. And that's if you want to find that. I mean, um, I, I still have friends that work at CMHC and they're happy. They love it. And all that matters is happiness. If you're happy doing what you're doing, then stay doing it. But if you're not, then you may want to explore what makes you happy. What do you enjoy doing? What do you love? But the belief in oneself is, is, is what's going to take you to heights that you can only dream of. You know, now that you've been doing this for a few years, um, I'm curious, like, what are some of the things that you would have, uh, if you'd known those back then that you would have, uh, you would have done in the early days? I don't, you know what? I don't really think I would have done anything differently because the timing of when things have happened in my life, I realized that if they had happened earlier, they would not have worked out. So I can't really say I would have, I, I think I would have just told myself to just keep doing what you're doing. Things will work out. If you if you're clear on what you want and you begin to create a plan to get there, you will eventually get there as long as you don't give up and as long as you don't come off the path. That's probably um, what I would say. But I don't, I don't really think, because if I did not work at CMHC, I wouldn't have had the confidence to start my own business. So, you know, the journey is part of where you end up, in my opinion. I, I don't think that. I saw a quote this morning on LinkedIn that said, if you're not doing what you love, you're wasting time. But, you know, a part of me doesn't believe that completely because not everybody knows what they love and not everybody knows what they want to do. And I don't think that just because you're doing something right now means that it's a complete waste of time. It's not because the skills that you're developing and growing and learning can help you to go into the next chapter of your life, whatever that looks like. So um, I'm a big believer in things happening for a reason and timing being everything. So um, I, I really don't think I would have done anything differently than, than I did. I think I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be at this exact moment is how I look at life. Yeah, I, I like the adage that uh, you don't know how to connect the dots until you've made all the dots, right? It's like, unless you've got to the point where you can go back and be like, ah, that's how this all, this all connected. So you also wrote a book. Um, and I'm curious, you know, there's a lot of folks out there who have thought about, you know, writing a book of some kind, uh, you know, publishing on Amazon. So you wrote a book, uh, The Complete Guide to Internet Marketing for Real Estate Agents. I just finished a second book to, uh, more focused towards financial institutions. Well, yeah. Okay. So, so what goes into uh, to writing these for you? Like, A, how do you have time? And B, um, like, how do you, how do you structure, find, find a niche in one of these places and then, uh, and then pour your effort into it? Uh, so, okay. The first, first question, how do I find the time? Uh, I make sure my kids are in bed at six and seven. That's a good one. So I have a few hours in the evening as much as things are crazy. I still keep them on their school schedule. So they, so things are, 
somewhat organized. So what that does is, you know, my last, my first child is in bed at seven, seven thirty ish. That still gives me, I'll go to bed maybe about 10. So that still gives me two and a half hours to do whatever I want. Um, and I, you know, I try to use that time wisely and that that's where I would typically get the time to, you know, do things I may not have gotten to do during my work day. Um, and so those are the times I would spend, um, writing. Usually when I write a book, uh, the, the chapters are usually answering questions that I have gotten over the period of time that I've been you know, working with a particular client. So I break up the chapters into topics and then, then it makes it easier to write because then you're just focused on each chapter. And then you just take your time and I would just create a schedule. I would say, okay, I'm going to write chapter one this week. Uh, I'll spend three days and write chapter one. Uh, so I just kind of, I break the book down into chapters uh, and then the chapters are the topics. And then I, then I go in from there. And then are you just picking, like, is it something that, you know, you've seen over and over and over again? Yes. And you're like, hey, this just, this needs to be said. And then is it, do you just view it as kind of like a revenue stream for yourself? Or is it just something that you're like, I know that this, this stuff needs to be out there. I'm just curious. So usually I just give away whatever we do. Uh, the, the first book was pretty much everything we did to get success for, uh, to get success through social media, through SEO. This book that I wrote is everything we do to help financial institutions write content that converts. So I, I pretty much just give out exactly what we do. I don't really hold anything back. Um, they could do it themselves. And if they don't want to do it themselves, they can hire us. I, I'm a big believer in just giving away a bunch of great information, um, whether it comes back in business from that person or not. I don't think about that. I just think about, you know what, I'm going to give away as much value and as much information I can. And um, that has worked really, really well you know, over the years. So that, that's my main focus is how can I be of service to, you know, my target market? What is it that I can give them that's going to help them succeed? And no, many people don't make money from a lot of money from books, unless you're like, what's the, what's the, um, the lady who uh, wrote the Harry Potter? I mean, unless you're her. JK Rowling. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, unless you're her, a lot of people don't make, really make a lot of money from books. Books are used as a way to uh, increase your brand, de- develop brand authority. That's usually what the reason why people write books. And it's a great giveaway when I'm, I do a lot of, I've done, I've done a lot of speaking engagements. So it's a great giveaway. People don't usually throw books away. So if I'm at a speaking engagement, if I'm at a conference, I'll bring a bunch of books and, you know, I'll give them away. Cause I, yeah, it's, this book is going to be like 99 cents on. I mean, you can buy a book for a dollar. Uh, so books are not really, and most people read, you know, Kindle books. You can buy a lot of Kindle books for 99 cents. Uh, so it's not, I don't look at it as an income stream, even though I'm still making money from that first book, which is great, but it's really for um, that value add. Kind of like if you go on my website, I have a, a guide that I give away for free. I have a checklist that I give away for free. Um, we're just going through the graphics of the book right now. So that should be out soon. And then I'll just, I'll put that on the website and they could, you know, download it and get it. But I believe in giving away as much information as possible. Okay, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy. Just like marketing with Salesforce, Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. We love Salesforce. They've been with us since the very beginning. Salesforce.com slash marketing. Check them out. Lightning round questions. Shondell, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> what habit what habit or hobby have you picked up during shelter in place? I've always been a reader, so that I did not pick that up. Uh, 
I don't know, let's go back to Wheel of Fortune. I downloaded that during the pandemic. And I, sometimes I just need a break from, you know, whatever. I just need a mental break. I'll, I'll play a couple couple games of uh, Wheel of Fortune. So I don't know if that's a habit, but uh, we'll, we'll go with that. If you weren't a CEO of your own company and copywriter and marketer, what do you think you'd be doing? Real estate investor. Do you have a book or a podcast or a movie or TV show or something that you've been, uh, you've been binging lately? Yes, bigger podcasts or bigger pockets, I should say. I, I listen to that all the time. That's a podcast. Hidden talent or passion? Hidden talent? I am a really good dancer. <laughs> I, I danced for seven years when I was younger, uh, doing ballet, jazz, and tap. Uh, I, I decided not to pursue it as a career because in Canada, I didn't see where that would take me. So that's what prompted me to go into business and marketing. A lot of people don't know that about me. What is your best advice for a first-time CEO? Two pieces of advice. You have to have belief in yourself and you have to have what I call mental stamina. Um, just like how we will go to the gym and we'll work out our bodies, I think it's important that you've got to work out your mind because you may get a hundred no's before you even get your first yes. So it may take that long. So being able to handle rejection, understanding that a no now doesn't mean a no in 10 minutes uh, and not taking no's personally. But that would be, you have to have, you have to be relentless. You have to have mental stamina. But most importantly, I think that if you're doing what you enjoy doing, then it makes those harder times easier because you will have, you know, those doubts. And, you know, I talk to a lot of CEOs that feel like they want to quit. But you get past those moments when you're doing something you enjoy. But if you're doing something just for the money, you probably will not last through the hard times because you're just going to be focused on the money. And people will, you know, people will see that. They'll hear that. They'll, they'll hear the desperation. They'll see that. They'll see that it's not authentic uh, when you're communicating. Uh, so you want to make sure you're, you're doing things for the right reasons. Awesome. Shandal, that's it. That's all we got for today. Any, uh, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think that's good. That's it. Awesome. Thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies 
to create unforgettable brand experiences so you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.